Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I'm your host, Brett McGrath, B2B marketer, sport card collector, and investor in professional wrestling fan. It is another weekend for me. It is another opportunity to spend a little time in the sports card market, or as we like to call it, the hobby. Hashtag the hobby. Shout out to the hobby. Shout out to everyone out there listening who wakes up every morning and we've all got our responsibilities. You know, we've got jobs, we've got kids got spouses, you know, we got things to do, but just in the back of our brains, every day when we wake up, there's that little thing that we like to think about, and that is sports cards and the vast world and all of the changing dynamics that go into the sports card market. And I got to tell you, it's almost been a year uh, doing this show. And I, I can tell you, it's, it's been a wild ride and a wild roller coaster for sure. But what I, I know is that I'm having more fun than I've ever had before because I am stretching my bounds. I'm thinking outside of the box. I am not listening to what the mainstream market is telling me. I'm not doing it. I'm running in the other direction. I don't like to spend time where the audience is. I don't like to spend time where everyone's spending their money. I like to go the other direction because I like to be creative. This hobby gives us the opportunity to be creative and curate our own collections that make us happy and make us smile as collectors. That's the fun part about this. It's not what's happening or the most popular thing or what's trending on your Instagram feed. No, it is not. It is what touches your heart and what it touches your mind and what makes you happy. And by God, that's what this hobby is all about. And there's so much we can focus on that's negative. There's so much to to focus on with people, with content, with prices, with the market going to explode and we'll never see value in sports cards again. We can spend all of our time talking about that and commiserating and getting just rolling around and all of that shit and getting all stinky and coming out and saying, I'm a sports card collector. This is so much fun. But then we've got all that stink around us. No, thanks. That's not what we do here. We try to embrace the power of positivity as the new day says. That's what we try to do because this is an escape for us. This is a moment that we have in our busy lives throughout the week to spend time on something that makes us happy. And if we've got that little time to spend on something that makes us happy, why would we sit here and let negative forces interfere with that? Not on my watch. Not here on the Stacking Slabs podcast. Not There's no negativity here for you, the listener, you, the consumer of this performance-enhancing audio that's spending your time out of the week to listen to what I have to say about sports cards. I appreciate that. And what we're going to do here is we are going to go through a program, go through 
just some thoughts and just talk about the hobby in a positive light because we all have busy lives. And this moment that I'm sitting here talking to you, staring at a bowl full of oranges with a cup of coffee and a cold winter day staring at me in the face outside, this is a moment where I'm going give it, to give it my all and I'm going to, by God, talk about sports cards. Let's go. All right, I got to start here. I'm on a stretch with my wife. This stretch is La Margarita. Shout out. It is a stone's throw away from me. They just, you wouldn't think Indianapolis has bomb fajitas, but I'm telling you, La Margarita, it, it has become a Friday night tradition. When I get done with the grind, it's been three weeks in a row. This week, my wife said, what do you want to do for dinner? And I said, what do you think I want to do for dinner? I want some fajitas from La Margarita. I want them in the peppers and then the onions. I want to put the tapatia all over it. Don't forget, if you order it, I'll go pick it up. Don't you forget that cheese because I want that that cheese and I, I want the chips and I want the hot sauce and the salsa and all that stuff. And that has been my like, let my hair down. It's the weekend. Time to throw down some calories and time to get fat and enjoy myself. So I've been, it's, it's a month stretch. Find those things that make you happy. Find those things that help you transition into your weekend. Your weekend, not only where you're going to spend more time with sports cards, but a weekend where you're not worrying about work. And for me, it's been La Margarita, down on Virginia Ave, Indianapolis, Indiana. Shout out to you. I love your fajitas. I love your food. And that's how I'm starting off all of my weekends. And I got to say, there was a moment during my weekend and it's just getting started here. It's what am I? I'm recording this at 10:47 a.m. on a Saturday. But last night there's so much NBA action on and I could, and I did watch. I watched, you know, Luka just, you know, with Porzingis in the lineup with everybody healthy on that Dallas team. It's it's a different team and Luka, he's a highly productive player irregardless of who's around him, but when he's got some people around him, he's outrageous and I saw him do some magic but but I caught the second half of that because I like to make sure I spend a little time watching some documentaries we like documentaries over here at Stacking Slabs HQ and we watched a documentary and it was the Banksy documentary 2014 Banksy the artist when he went and created art installations in New York City okay if you haven't heard about Banksy He's an enigma, very interesting character. It's something that you, I'd like for you to maybe check out. Um, you don't necessarily need to watch the documentary. I highly recommend the documentary. I thought it was fantastic. I, was, I spent a ton of time in the Big Apple when this, all of this was going on and the Banksy buzz was booming. Um, a lot of my work was out in New York City, which that was a wild time in my life as I'm thinking about it right now. I just, I just had... I had zero responsibilities outside of work. They were flying me to New York City every other weekend. I would stay out until 3 a.m., 4 in the morning with enterprise salespeople. I would go on my own and walk the streets and go find concerts all over the city. And I grew in a love and appreciation for New York um, during those that two-year stretch of my life. And I got to tell you, like this Banksy documentary brought me back to that period of time. But I lead with it because... The entire time I'm watching this Banksy documentary and the way it's all unfolding, I just kept drawing parallels to the sports card market. So I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. I haven't gotten a chance to touch on the Super Bowl. Um, I know it seems like by the time this goes live, it'll 
seem like forever ago. That's okay. That happens sometimes. I just want to say just an incredible performance by the Tampa Bay Bucks D. I, I had just felt this energy around their team popping off at the right time and their defense coming together, and they certainly did that and dominated. I think there has been a lot of conversations and attention on Tom Brady, obviously, and on Patrick Mahomes. I think on the Brady side, to me, I like if you look at his Bowman Chrome, I think it went it went all the way up to twenty eight k PSA ten, and now it's down to twenty. It, you know, people can call him the goat of goats, the most uh, Super Bowls ever. For for Christ's sake, this or most championships ever. For Christ's sakes, like this guy's still gonna be playing, so who knows uh, if he's gonna bring another one to Tampa? Um, who knows? But you know, to me, in comparison, and and we don't just need to focus on the Bowman card. I think you know Kevin has called this the Fleer Fleer Jordan of football cards, which it's hard to argue that Kevin DeCaptain said that, and I think it's hard to argue that based on just Brady's career accolades, that card. Um, it's an iconic card, and it at now in a PSA ten, it's twenty k. Like to me, if you if you had the money, and you liked Tom Brady, and you were trying to make a good investment, that probably is one that I would imagine over a period of time, especially based on what I'm seeing with Peyton Manning cards right now, is going to continue to elevate. Um, but I don't think you should just focus in on the the Bowman Chrome card. Like you can find opportunities with Tom Brady that are outside of rookie cards, and I think that's just the the awareness building on that front. I'm having so much fun, not just focusing and buying rookie cards, and it just there's so much that goes into digging into sets and parallels. And Brady, my goodness, I mean, he's had a just historic run in career. He's got so many cards of significance that might not seem like they're significant now, but they will seem like they're significant on the other side. You just got to go in and dig, dig in and figure out what you like. But I think it's phenomenal. Like I was watching a video this morning of that was released of Brady mic'd up and talking to his huddle, talking to the offensive line, talking to his wide receivers. And this is like an evolution for me, I want to tell everyone, because I had sat on the other side of the rivalry, the Manning-Brady rivalry, and I'm finding an appreciation for Tom Brady now. I don't think I'll ever consider myself a fan, but I respect the game. And I respect the fact, I like the fact that, of course, Brady's cards are going to go up then that helps my Peyton Manning cards. And the best thing that possibly could have happened for Peyton Manning collectors, I think, was Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl. So anyways, I was watching these clips, and it was Brady talking to his his team in different scenarios in the Super Bowl. And it was this morning, and my wife said, what are you, what are you watching? And I was like, you know, Brady talking to his teammates during the Super Bowl. And she's like, oh, and I was just like, his command and his confidence is just next level. He, and I think that's why every team he plays on does well and he wins. He gets these guys in the position to feel 100% confident and excellent about what they're about to do. And all they have to do is execute. And then on the other side of it, they're staring and looking at a living legend 
telling them that and they're like, man, well, we got Tom Brady too. So let's go do this. So I think a lot of that forming for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers happened um, and evolved and they just hit their damn stride at the right time. But it's, it's incredible what this guy has done. And um, who knows this T I need to get on the TB 12 train. I mean, I'm trying out here, I'm running in this cold and I'm, trying to eat healthy except for Friday nights, fajita nights at the that Stacking Slabs HQ. Um, but just wanted to touch on the Super Bowl a little bit and Tom Brady. It's amazing the shift that has happened over this period of time. And I like threw this question out to uh, Josh and Chris prior to the crossover this week about just this narrative shift from uh, legends all of the attentions on legends and hardly any of the attentions on, you know, younger guys and prospecting. And it just flipped and it flipped so quickly. And I'm just curious on like what their perspective is and what is the organization around this? Why is this happening? And it, and it's not, I don't think it's a bad thing that it's happening. I think obviously we shouldn't focus all of our money and energy on prospects and the unproven and it does make sense to invest and have value in people that have secured that over a period of time. But I'm just inter interested and intrigued by the speed at which all of these changes happening. It seems, it seems like a very well orchestrated event. I'm not here to spread conspiracy theories on the Stacking Slabs podcast. We don't tout fake news over here and all that stuff and don't run narratives that are not proven and have are just baseless. We don't do that here. But I am curious and I am just interested in, as a studier of market and market dynamics, how does this all happen so quickly? What causes these shifts? Is it these fractional groups that are coming in, buying up these cards? Is it athletes and celebrities? There's been a lot of that. And we've seen a lot of every time there's an athlete involved, you know, whether it's Kevin Durant signing his card or Kendrick Perkins or whatever, like it makes it makes the headlines. But is is it is there really that much of that going on to cause these shifts? I don't know. Hype machines. There's always the hype machines that are rolling. And you have hype machines that say one thing and say, you know, well, maybe you should go out and, you know, buy a bunch of Trey Young at the beginning of the season, and then they're on this Legends track now. That happens. There's other hype machines that uh, have been on this Legends track for a while and have been beating that drum. So does that help contribute to this? Probably. Golden Auctions. There has been... It has been the talk of the town ever since they've, it's just the buzz around golden auctions and the cards Ken Golden is getting and the prices that they're coming. So it's the fractional groups, athletes, hype machines, auction houses, all of these things are culminating to completely stop the hobby in its tracks and change focus and attention from a consumer perspective from wanting to pour all your money and energy into a guy like Zion to taking that money out and wanting to pour all your money and energy into your Michael Jordans, your Kobe's, your LeBron's. I'm just amazed at the speed 
at which this all has transpired in the market dynamics. And I think this is something interesting that we should all be mindful of. It is not a great time to go out and buy some of these cards. I'm not a Kobe Bryant collector, but geez, I the what I've seen in my Instagram feed on some of these cards and prices that have jumped, you know, within a year's time frame, like the most historic jumps ever for cards that aren't necessarily scarce. So there also could be perceived manipulation going on. And and this is what happens when you have a market that is unregulated like the sports card market. Crazy stuff is going to happen. I share this message with everyone and just say, be cautious. Make sure you're not getting sucked into the vortex and spending your money on these cards. And then the next thing you know, it people are back in on prospects and your card got cut 100%. You don't, wanna, you don't want that to happen. So just make sure you're being cautious. Make sure you're using your head. You're, make sure you're using your head. I've, the one thing that like, stands out to me in the hobby are intelligent people. I can tell when people are highly intelligent because they're skeptical, they're cautious, they have a proven track record, they're studying the behaviors and habits of what has happened in the hobby. And that to me is intelligence. People being smart about their money, being smart about the narrative, not following, not being a sheep. And then there's people that lack intelligence. Not any of you Stacking Slabs listener. If you're choosing to use Stacking Slabs as your hobby content alternative, you do not fall into this camp. Respect 100. But I think you just got to use your head. I think we can't control the outside forces and we must take part in this community and enjoy what we can. So back to the Banksy documentary. This guy, British artist, unknown, enigma, a puzzle. This man leveraged the power of his skill set and the power of buttoning social media, fused them together to create this explosion and event that mattered to many people. It mattered to many people because they wanted to feel and be a part of this event. There was mystery around it. And so what Banksy did, artists from the UK, spent 30 days in New York City, a whole month, and he created art installations for each day and would plug it on social media and have some clues, maybe have some audio to accompany, accompany it. Each of these art installations were of higher significance than just the art itself. They had deeper meaning and value about social injustice, about world events. They were all tied to themes that were happening at that time that Banksy wanted to build and develop further awareness for the people that were going to go and come see it. So he leveraged social media and then people just flocked and would try, they'd go and they try to take photos and be a part of these art installations, knowing that these art installations were not going to last long. They were um, whitewashed. They were all, they were, just the, cut out people they got rid of them so they were they it, it was not like these installations were hanging on for a while and then but people the the people became a part of this art experience experience and experiment because they were hyped because they were like they were telling helping tell the story 
And then people began to say, you know what? These are pieces of value. Like I'm going to go to these uh, art installations and try to make money. There's an incidence in Queens where you had a guy that was charging people to take their picture next to it. You had people cutting these images off of walls and out of, um, you know, out of uh, aluminum, all of these things and taking them and reselling them. You had uh, a guy, a, a group of guys who owned a, uh, who owned a, a garage and there was a Sphinx rock exhibit that they grabbed and put in the back of their truck. Opportunity, finding opportunity of scarce things that people want. And so this was all just a human experiment to me. It involved people being attracted to pieces of art. It involved hype. It involved people trying to jump in on opportunity and make money off of it. It involved resale. resale. It involved, and I'm sitting here watching all this and I'm like, I kept happening. I turned to my wife. I said, this is like sports cards in a way. Like this keep, keeps, keeps reminding me of sports cards. And I think like the parallels drawn is like hype built in the fear of missing out component. Like people were going nuts, flocking to these exhibits and because they didn't want to miss out on the experience. Um, I think the hype helped set the market prices on the resale for some of this stuff. It was incredible. One of these pieces was selling for $350,000. And I thought about it. It was like, this is, this is like 2013 or 2014. And I'm like, how is this selling for $350,000? A Luca just sold last week for you know $650,000. What? This doesn't add up. So it just goes to show like that period of time and collectibles and art where that market was. And I kept trying to explain to my wife, if this were happening today, like those pieces would be five to 10 X the cost. And I, you know, so like the, another fascinating component of this was that, and I'm connecting this into what I want to talk about, but you had a gallery owner who knew the value of Banksy art and knew that people were going and cutting it out and getting their stuff and organizing to sell it. And he was buying it all to put it into his gallery because he knew that it would attract people and buyers into his gallery and complement everything else, all the other art that was in his, his gallery. And so I found that fascinating and it got me thinking. It got me thinking watching this and watching people walk around not only looking at what was popular and the Banksy stuff, but the appreciation for all the other art and how those people were spending their day just because of, you know, a popular art, art, art pieces that this gallery owner had acquired. And it, it really led me to think about just that it, as I visualize these people walking through this place and thinking about our own personal collections and the, the opportunity to not just get sucked in and focus in on the Banksy stuff and what is popular, but, but if you are going to do that, and you you buy stuff that is more mainstream because you might it or maybe just because you like it because you know the value is going to go up accompanying those pieces within your collection with things that are meaningful and significant to you that as you as the curator can help 
show an appreciation for for the rest of the hobby. And I, we do that by it through Instagram. We post pictures of our cards and we curate. And part of this as curators of our collections, we help educate people on significance and sets throughout a history of time. The great collectors on Instagram have vast variety and I'm attracted to that because I get to learn. I get to learn what's what's important and significant to them and what's meaningful. There's probably not a better a collector just in terms of what he posts and the words he uses to accompany his work, his collection. I say work because it seems like his piece of it seems like his art. And that's exquisite collector on Instagram. I mean, he, of course he's posting bangers, but he's he's posting meaning about acquiring those cards and what they mean to them and the value over time. So I just I found it extremely fascinating that, you know, we there was something that happened, geez, eight years ago. It surrounded art. We think about our cards as art. And to me, after watching it, the Banksy documentary, there the parallels will, were so strong that I'm convinced that we all have well we we all the 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 way it go we go about it and what we acquire and how we show it is not we're not going into New York and we're not you know putting our PSA tens on the corner and telling people to go check it out that that wouldn't work but the way we are doing it and the way we're building our brands and the way we're curating our 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 cards is a very very much like an art gallery experience and we all have the opportunity to share our stories and educate the audience or anyone who we get the opportunity to spend time in their feed don't take that for granted you that is an opportunity to not only show off your cards but give back to the community and i just think that's powerful and special and i think you know this this momentum around the idea of compare comparing you know our collections and the curating of our collections to art started for me. It had been in my mind and it really was exposed when a few basketball card fanatic uh, copies ago, Black Griffin Cards wrote an article that I talked about on the show that I really love. And shout out basketball card fanatic. I just looked in my inbox and there's, I've got a new copy that came out today. It's got Wilt Chamberlain on the front. Go check out. If you're not subscribed, go, go reach out to Adam, the real 27 guy. Good stuff. I'm excited to read that tonight or, or early tomorrow. But if we've got, if, if we, if market conditions are happening right now that are outside of our control and some of the legend stuff that we, um, we might want to acquire is outside of our control. You got to ask yourself, so what? Like, what can we do? I think it's not a negative. I think it's a positive. It's an opportunity to curate your collection to be something that you appreciate looking at and that you as a curator can help share out and educate your following about why you bought certain cards and what it means to you. These, this is an opportunity to go buy cards that touch your heart and mind, not focusing on the value. Yes, value plays a role and it's a component that we should consider. But the more that we lead with acquiring cards not to make a quick flip, the more the stronger the connection you're going to have with the hobby. And I believe this to be true. 
I believe this should be true. The more money you're going to make on those cards anyway. It's weird and it's funny how it works out, but I'm th- I'm feeling that right now with my Peyton Manning collection. Things that you might want to get out of eventually and think will elevate. Those are that's okay. Like if if we are viewing our collection as a gallery, not not those those aren't forever pieces. Not all of those need to be forever pieces. We can enjoy those cards for six months, a year, a few years. But that's what makes this fun. We had that time spent. We shared those cards. We appreciated those cards. But then there's another card that you want that by selling that card that you had for the last three years, it'll help you get there. Remember, we're not married to our cards. I also think a, a component that gets talked doesn't get talked about enough is the fact that the chase is just as much fun as the ownership of these cards in a lot of instances. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. But to accompany this, and this is, these are, I'm trying to get people, trying to get you, the listener, to think outside the box, to dig deep, and not just focus in on what everyone else is doing. And I put out something about hobby fatigue today. Hobby fatigue is real. Outside forces like market conditions, trends, and unhelpful content can cause depletion. Reevaluating focus and engaging with a core group helps replenish, build it back up, and then go ham. Just in case you don't know what ham means, go look it up on an Urban Dictionary. But I, I think we all have hobby fatigue with the prices, with the changes, with people we don't like with platforms and that's where you just got to block it all out you really do and that's where you have the opportunity to dig in and go find something special to you and go chase it you find this sometimes when you're paying attention you're connected with people that you really like i'm on a chase and i'm on a hunt now and this didn't just happen overnight but it was a culmination of different things that took place where for me Straight up, my Peyton Manning collection reached a point, and I'm not done collecting Peyton. I never will be. But now is not a great time to buy his cards. They're jumping. I bought a lot of my cards at the right time, but now they're jumping. So it's not the best time to get in. I've been starting the Steph Curry parallel chase. I'm having fun with it. His cards started jumping. That's okay. Maybe not the best time to buy some of his stuff right now. Wrestling cards. Man, I'm having fun collecting wrestling cards. Well, what happens? Some of the wrestling cards, they start jumping. So just as as someone who is always very curious and someone who loves to collect and to chase, I needed something else. I needed a new wing in my gallery. And so I thought about a lot of different things. I, I considered a lot of different factors. And as I was pouring over it, I started to, to to really form an opinion on a set that a parallel set that I really, really enjoyed. I enjoyed the set because of the aesthetics, of the scarcity, and of the opportunity that it presented for me. And I'm gonna get into that. And the set, the parallels are from Revolution and to no surprise I posted a lot about this, but it's the Galactics. And I was thinking about the why behind 
my pursuit of galactics and it, it made it registered and it made a lot of sense to me and i spent a while thinking well i can i can't go like i shouldn't go start this journey through space and time and try to focus in on or not focus in and buy everybody buy everything so the way i organized it was fun it's let me go look through each set from start to current day. And what if I collected the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie, Most Improved, Six Man, the awards the, who, who, from each year? And if I acquired the awards from each year, then I could start saying, all right, well, who was second place in those? Or who was third? And I can keep remixing it, but it's living and breathing. And it's something that I can always be pursuing and I can always be pursue pursuing it. And it feels good because these aren't cards that just are available and easy to find on eBay. Yeah. There's always going to be galactics on eBay, but there might not be the galactics I'm looking for. The aesthetics are unstoppable and untouchable. And I'll always appreciate that. Then the driving force behind all of this is, I am an NBA league pass degenerate and I love the NBA and I don't just love it for Steph Curry or the Indiana Pacers. I love it for a lot of different reasons. And there's a lot of different players that help contribute to that love. So why not collect a piece of a lot of these different players that make this experience and escape and super happy for me. So that's what I'm doing. I'm going out on a journey through space and time to collect some galactics, baby. And so as I was doing this, obviously I needed to educate myself on as much as I could on Revolution as a brand. And I, to me, I always have been attracted to Revolution because of, you know, it's foil based. That's cool. I think the base cards are cool looking. And just to, if you don't have a lot of knowledge on uh, Revolution and you think that, oh, it, it's just a um, low tier product, that's totally fine. Like when I entered the hobby, my perception was, oh, this is kind of like a lower tier product, but it really looks cool. I'm interested in this. I think the other thing about just Revolution in general is like the on-card autos in Revolution are phenomenal. They're fantastic. Uh, Adam Real 27 guy showed, showed me his Kobe on-card auto. Such an amazing card. I pulled, when I got back in the hobby, um, I pulled a Dwayne Wade on-card auto. And it PSA 10 and I sold it and I kind of wish I didn't sell it now. I did get a premium on it, but it was, his auto is incredible. And I, I, I wish I had that card. I really wish I didn't sell it, but whatever. So some things I learned just in my research, I re- learned that this, 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 the origin of the revolution galactic it came out of the old Pacific brand. And if you're familiar with the Pacific brand or not, I'm familiar with the Pacific brand, um, most notably for Pacific is around in Peyton Manning's rookie year. So I'm familiar with it from the football side, but I I didn't realize that revolution had come out of that. This this set started in 2015 and 2016. It's just another set from Panini. And I think it's... I like... So I like the parallels of Select and the way it's organized. And I think... In a, in a somewhat similar way, Revolution is organized around it. However, simil- it's, it, the difference is with like Select 
the parallels are based on color, whereas revolution, it's based on patterns. And I think the patterns are what draw me in. So you have, so start in 2015, 2016. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm talking like, I, I never really do this, but it's, the passion is coming out just because I, I, I have to educate myself before I jump in. You've got Infinite, one in six packs, Nova, one in six packs, Angular, one in 12 packs, and then you've got the Parallels in Cosmic, which is out of 100, Sunburst out of 75, Futura out of 25, and then here comes the Enigma, the Galactic. The Galactic rules, because it's an X pattern with a dot in the middle, you, you know, can move it back and forth, it dances, it kind of moves back and forth. It's just a badass card. I mean, to me, it's my favorite card in the hobby. Full stop. But they say, according to, um, I think this was Beckett, or I can't remember the resource, one in 288 packs. The Galactic isn't numbered. So there's this whole mystery of speculation of, well, how many Galactics actually exist, which I absolutely love. People have done math and people have done stuff. I mean, I've gone to the blowout forums to see discussions on this. And you know me, I'm not a blowout guy, but I just love the passion behind it. And it, it, it sounds like from all points in, of a, a view and accounts that people approximate about 15 a piece for each player, which I think is cool. It's a nice scarcity, nice scarce. Uh, it's yeah, there's, there's just a, it's, the, it's very limited. And I like that. Um, some resources here. I talked about the blowout threads. Uh, Mikabongo wrote in the wrote an article called "Galactics: A Journey Through Space and Time" in the first edition of the Basketball Card Fanatic. Getting a lot of plugs here, Adam. Uh, but now he goes by Wild Card Journey. So if you want to follow him on Instagram, he wrote an awesome article there that that educated me a while back. And he referenced at mission mission underscore street underscore cards, which I his collection of galactics are outrageous. If you want to see awesome galactics, go follow him. But I've been chatting with him about his set and getting educated. And then I want to also shout out at Carvin fifteen because he immediately saw what I was doing and reached out and figured asked me how we can help. Just amazing people in the hobby. I have to date acquired. A 2018-2019 Giannis MVP year, BGS 9.5. And I have a raw, I'm going to get it graded, send it to BGS, 16-17 Brogdon Rookie Galactic. And baby, I'm just getting going. So make sure the moral of the story is don't listen to this and go buy a bunch of Galactics. Go figure out what you like and what you can chase and what's going to make you happy. That might not be at the top of that hobby headline. I want to shout out my man, Greg, the Pack Profits, doing Hobby Happy Hour every Friday, and it is a great show. 4.30 Eastern. Go check those out. They're on his feed. I've learned a ton from the collectors and personas and everyone that he's having on that show. I want to shout out my man, G, for just being the man out of the kindness of his heart, sending me a Curry 2018-2019 Optic Hollow BGS 9.5, just because he knew I was part of the Curry Collecting community. He's the man. I love his show. I love his passion and just 
the way he just gives back to the hobby. He is going to be on the hobby hustle coming soon. So be on the lookout for that. There's an, they're, they're all, we also have a hobby hustle this week that I'm super excited about. It's with Cindy Dick. Cindy Dick has an absolutely stunning collection of women's cards that are stuff I've never seen before. She goes by at Gentle Legends on Instagram. She's on the Hobby Hustle this week. We're talking about her collecting journey, and there's a lot you can learn there. I'm excited to share that one with you. I'm excited for NXT Vengeance this Sunday. It'll happen by the time this goes live. I've been waiting for a Finn Balor-Pete Dunn match my entire life. I got some PSA cards back, nines. Man, I wish I got tens. I got my Seiku Cracked Ice, nine. I got a Domas a Mosaic Autograph, nine. People asked me, it was an express order. Took a little under a month. Got a few mailbags and we're going to close out this rodeo here. Rodman PC, touch on Mahomes' r- rookie mar- market. What do you expect after the loss? Well, his card was at a, the hot, the PSA 10 was at 15.5, and now it's down to 8,400. I think if you're interested in Patrick Mahomes, now is the time to buy. His prices are going to go back up. I don't know if they'll reach those levels. They're going to go back up by next season, no doubt. Generational talent. If you like Mahomes, now is the time probably to buy. Uh, Fantasy Flojo, Breeze Top Spoman rookies, buying them now. I think. I haven't looked at the Breeze market too much, but to me, like it, it reminds me of the the Manning situation where his cards might not appreciate until this year or build up before he gets in the Hall of Fame. Regard, regardless, Breeze is a first ballot Hall of Famer, will be. So I think if you like Drew Breeze and you want to hang on to his cards, now's probably a good time. You, you probably still have some time too. Rave collects. What happens to LeBron's prices if he wins a fifth? I think they're going to continue to go up. I think LeBron is like Teflon. Like he's just on a rocket ship and he's got so much collectability and he's a legend. Like what's interesting and what no one is talking about. And I know that LeBron, LeBron has a chance to tie or match Tom Brady. Certainly if Tom Brady never wins another championship, I'm not here to count that out. No, no way. But I think. LeBron has a chance with this team, no matter we'll see how long he plays, but he has a chance to 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 catch in a tie. If you think about this, if he wins, if Brady never wins again, and LeBron wins five this year, he needs two more to tie, three to win. I don't know how many more years LeBron has in him, but it, it'd be interesting to watch. I think his cards continue to elevate. Mostly basketball cards. How many cards am I buying per week? Not very many. I'm not. I am being, this is the most patient I've ever been with buying sports cards, and it's probably the happiest I've ever been. I, I think I want to close, close out with this one. I said, paying homage to the history is an incredible way to show your appreciation in this market. Consume stories, gain understanding. The insights that you'll gain that will help you navigate will take you to an exquisite place. My brother-in-law is a history teacher. He's phenomenal at trivia. I've been taking his professional mindset and applying it to the hobby. I'm a big music fan too. You can't forget about the past. There's always new coming in. Dig in. And I think the recommendation is if you're in a rut, identify things and cards you like. Is it the shine? Is it the scarcity? Are there inserts? Become the younger version of you. Players, teams, moments in time that have made you happy. 
It gives you a year, a frame of time. Go look at pop reports, start navigating and connecting. There's amazing collectors you can learn from. Get out of that rut. This hobby is a special place and it's supposed to be fun. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. I'll be back on the Hobby Hustle this week. 